One is so many of these sales processes are oriented around, here's how I push the customer through, here's how I just, you know, discover, qualify, whatever, to sell my product. What that is so often lacking is just because you're doing a customer heat map of where your relationships lie and are they neutral or positive or whatever, that is still overlooking the most important part of this. And it is not about how you sell. It is about how do you align to how they buy. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we're going to talk about how to communicate with impact through insight-led selling. I've got Dr. Stephen Tomei with me, and also I've got Melody Astley, so kind of a, a, a new... A rare thing on the show here to have more than one person at once. This is, uh, this should be fun. Ah, really? The dynamic duo then. Exactly. So yeah, it's great to have you guys here. Um, well, I should introduce you. Um, so, so Stephen Tomei is the president and founder of Finlistics Solutions. And uh, previously, Stephen was the professor of finance. He's been an adjunct, adjunct professor and a consultant for many Fortune 500 companies. Um, Melody Astley is Finlistics CRO, and uh, she's responsible for uh, strategic business growth, sales, and marketing uh, over at Finlistics. They are co-authors of the book Insight-Led Selling. So why don't we jump into the questions, guys? I've, I've got a ton of questions about your book. I'm okay. really excited to get your take on this stuff. Um, a, a common issue buyers encounter is that they're they, they don't feel like they're understood as they go through the buying process. Um, how did this issue lead you to come up with insight-led selling? Yeah, Melody, you want to start that one? Sure. Uh, well, we've been seeing it for a long time, and the problem is just perpetuated, which is buyers don't believe that that their sellers understand their business. Stephen will talk about some of our research that we uncovered by by talking with sellers and by talking with executives, but basically they'll say nine calls out of 10 are horrible and, and, and they just get tired of it and frankly, quite frustrated with it. And it's rare to find the executive who um, actually wants to improve the sales profession. So there's their buying experience is better, but we were, we were lucky to find some to actually say, I'm going to tell you what sucks and I'm going to tell you what will make it better because I want my, my buying journey to be easier as well. So you have that issue. You have the issue of just more stakeholders um, in the subscription economy. You have a faster time to value. So you need to realize uh, the investment faster. Um, and, and it's only gotten worse. I mean, technology continues to, to perpetuate this, right? Buyers are smarter than ever. There's a ton of information before that they have access to that they never had before. So you take all those dynamics that would be creating this environment anyway, and then you pile COVID on top of it, where now really uh, we'll be in a hybrid, the new normal, whatever that looks like, will be at least a hybrid sales model. So even cutting through that noise and being really thoughtful and having a solid point of view around your customer's business or the buyer's journey is, is more important than ever. So that's why we decided to do it. 
Yeah, and to, to add to that, so uh, prior to Finlistics being focused on sales organizations, what we did is we really worked with a lot of uh, Fortune 500 type companies and others, uh, but be, a lot of times in operations, a lot of times it was in R&D and those type of things. And being a finance type, I was very fortunate to get to work with a lot of CFOs. And so I saw how they make decisions. I saw how they decide go, no go. Hey, here's how you know we set goals in that. And then it's a long story how I got hooked up with some sales organizations. But what I found is, I mean, so I said, okay, well, if this is how they make decisions, why wouldn't sellers, enterprise sellers think the same way? And what we found is that there was just a, a lack of, of not ability, but uh, or willingness, but to say, you know, we did one survey and we asked, you know, how well do you know your customer? And 27% said, we're trusted advisors. 50-something percent said, uh, well, you know, we, uh, even if we know the goals and strategies, we don't have to align our solutions. And the rest of them were talking about, you know, uh, you know future functions. And a study by Forrester said that 70 per, uh, executive buyers believe 70% of sellers don't understand their business. So Melly and I are actually very positive people, and we have a lot of friends in sales. And we're like, you know what, this is just a bunch of BS. And so we said, let's set up this framework uh, to, to look at this. And a lot of it's what been, Finlistic's been doing for 20 years, but let's just get it out there and you know, capture a lot of information that we've seen both from the buying side and the selling side. And the unique part of this is that we interviewed about a dozen executives from top-notch companies uh, that gave their site, you know, here's what I want. So yeah, that's what motivates us to do it. And is that the key then to understand how buyers really make their decisions and then map your sales process to that buyer's decision-making process? Yep. Number one, what's the goal? What am I trying to get done? How do I make decisions? And Melody, I think you're getting ready to say something. Well, and who's who's responsible for achieving these goals, right? They'll, they'll tell the investor presentations or wherever, they will talk about, this is what we need to achieve. Well, that's a big onion, right? How do you begin to take that big goal and peel it back and understand that the way that the CIO scorecard bubbles up to that to that broader goal is quite different than how, say, the CFOs or the CMOs. And so how do you identify which stakeholders are delivering against that big goal and how are they measured? And then you can attach your solution to that to just be be more effective. And as you know, Melody said in the beginning, as the buying groups are getting bigger, Gartner says there's now 10 plus stakeholders. So I mean, I always like to give the example of, you know, a lot of retailers uh, are saying we want to grow revenues. That's a financial goal by, here's our strategy, having a differentiated omni-channel experience, right? Well, you've got merchandising, you got distribution logistics, uh, the brick and mortar, you got store operations, right? I mean, it just goes on and on, all on with the same goal, but I can't go in and say, oh, by the way, here's my solution and tell the same story to everybody. So I don't have to know the big picture. I have to peel it back to these, these individual uh, stakeholders and what's most compelling for them and how they get, how do they measure success and how am I going to help them be successful? And for, from a tactical perspective, uh, how can a field salesperson better understand what their buyer, what their process looks like? How do they better understand them and what, they're, what they want, what they need? What, what, are, what, what specific questions or what processes can you go through as a, as a field salesperson to 
to gain this knowledge in the first place so that you can map your process to their needs? Well, there's there are a couple ways and the book really does give you frameworks to break that down and understand look at these things and there, there are things in the public domain there are of course things that we at Finlistics offer that are not in the public domain that help you understand what are these scorecards how are they measured but in the public domain there's a ton of stuff and a great place to start is um well of course always like a seeking alpha to read the to read the, the questions at the end from the analysts because they get they get really specific around how are you trying to achieve these goals why are you missing them who's responsible for it so that's free information, go grab it. Another piece that's free and in, in, in the public domain is executive compensation. These executives are reporting their, their short and long-term plans and the dollars or shares, whatever it is attached to those plans right there for you. And the idea is not to say, oh, hey, uh, I understand you made 5 million bucks last year or whatever it is, it is to say, in the short term, this is your scorecard. In the long term, this is your scorecard. And if those aren't headlights into how they're thinking, how they're measured and, and what they're going to be building against, then I don't know what is. Because the yeah. last time I checked, everybody everybody's working for a paycheck. And, and you know, the, their why and the greater good and all those things, but they're motivated by their compensation plan. So it's just basic blocking and tackling. If you can find these things, spend 20 minutes to find these things and start thinking about it, you're you're better informed. And guess what? Sadly, you're more informed than, than what they're telling us are 70 to 90% of the people who get in front of them. Yeah. And, and I mean, to, it's like, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. And to add to that, you know, we talk about in the book, it's really a team sport. You, I think it's totally unrealistic to tell a field seller, hey, you go find your company's goals. Now that part may be okay. Uh, and now, you know, let's map, you go map our solutions. You you talk about, you come up with the elevator, you know, pitch. You you come up with what is the potential increase in the value of the company. It's overwhelming. I think that's why a lot of people don't do it, but, but it can be done to come up with these industry playbooks, having the pre-sales in there, having the industry experts in there. If they've got value engineers as an example, got to bring them in bringing the sales intelligence. So it may sound like a lot of work and I'll be realistic, it can be, but the great part is, is this is so scalable then. So let's say that you uh, specialize in manufacturing, just as an example, and you sell uh, you know, uh, the cloud or you sell devices that connect you know, the, the other equipment and that type of thing. Well, once you've done it for, let's say manufacturing and there's a bazillion different com companies in there, it, it is very, very, very scalable, but it takes some effort up front. And I'm, I'm convinced that's why a lot of these buyers, like, like I had a, a good friend of mine runs a supply chain for this wholesale distribution company. Uh, they do what we call MRO, uh, maintenance repair uh, overhaul. And this guy comes in, start talk, using manufacturing term. He's like, do you know what we do? And the answer was no. So it was a short meeting. So the, the point being is that a lot of it's out there in the public domain. I know a lot of companies, we did a survey recently, like 50% of sales comes from private companies, but you're not going to find this. Well, guess what? Do the research on the public companies. And I can go to Melody and say, Melody, you know, I don't have your information around goals and financials, but, you know, I see this as a common trend. Are you experiencing the same thing? Here's how we've helped others. So, you know, but you got to do your homework. Otherwise, you're just like everybody else. And can you could you guys explain how 
insight-led selling, the concept that you guys are, are discussing, how is it different than solution selling, for example, and, and, and other, other forms of, uh, you know, sales frameworks and strategies? How, how, how is it different and, and why does it work better? Yeah, well, so let me start, let me say, we are not, or insight-led selling is not a process or a methodology. We work with the solution sales or the challenger Challengers. sales. We work with a lot of those clients because what, what we do is complement that existing process. So we can talk about the fundamentals of what we'd like or dislike about them. That's a whole nother podcast maybe we can come back for. But um, the, the, the point around the, the major differences uh, around insight-led selling and how they complement are, are, I think, two, twofold. One is so many of these sales processes are oriented around, here's how I push the customer through, here's how I dis, you know, discover, qualify, whatever, to sell my product. What that is so often lacking is just because you're doing a customer heat map of where your relationships lie and are they neutral or positive or whatever, that is still overlooking the most important part of this. And it is not about how you sell. It is about how do you align to how they buy? And I know that sounds like just a, a twist of words, but it orients the seller around what we call the outside in. How do you begin to think about the world outside of, of your company and align your company to that? Because it will just push the buyer along that much more effectively. That's the first thing, the outside in orientation. Yeah. Second part is the way that we look at this is we, we look at the financials and we look at the associated KPIs and how do you how do you measure against those and what is a real business outcome or what is a essentially a cash flow improvement associated with with the financials behind improving these KPIs and why is that different well that's different because it's immediately lining or why is it better more complementary because it again aligns with what these buyers are tasked with and talk about internally every day and you know sellers may find this financial stuff um intimidating or I was a history maker or whatever. But the point here is you do not need to be an MBA in finance or even a, a major in finance to be able to understand this stuff. And, and you'll be remiss if you don't because the CMO, who's nearly certainly not a finance major is talking this language, why can't you? So don't be afraid of it. Those are the, those are the two things. Yeah, and I like to, I wanna to add to that is that, yeah, so I agree with Melody, any value-based, or that kind of selling methodology we fit into. And here, here's how I view a lot of this stuff is that a lot of those methodologies are about how you talk to executives. You know, here's how you talk to an executive. We are what you talk about, right? So it's not like when you talk to executives, you know, think like an executive. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it think like an executive? So what we do is give a lot of examples. Uh, we have a lot of uh, freebies that uh, both on a website uh, for the book, our, our own website, our own LinkedIn, we really get into the nuts and bolts about, hey, if you're talking to a chief marketing officer and they're trying to grow the business and they're trying to do that by improving cross-sell, upsell, as an example, uh, here are the kind of things that they're looking for. And oh, by the way, here's the potential benefit of a 1% improvement in cross-sell, upsell for the typical company in consumer products. So it's not, I came from the university, so I know all about theory. That's the reason why I left. Like, I'm tired of theory. <laughs> I want some practical applications. So what really, uh, well, then, 
separates us in a way is that uh, there's a lot of practical experience in there. And that's why getting, like having the executives that we interviewed say, here's what we want. Let me give you an example of a good sales call. And let me tell you one that couldn't end, end fast enough. So a lot of practical step-by-step uh, guides, as well as some very practical, uh, you know, examples. Okay. And that, that makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, you know, and for a lot, a lot of times when you're selling something to an organization, even if you don't know a ton about the organization, the reasons they will often take action is because it's going to help them make more money. The stuff that you give them is going to help them grow their top line. They're going to make more money uh, or it's going to save them money. It's going to reduce one of their costs. Exactly. And uh, that's, you know, business equals revenue minus costs equals profit. So it's pretty simple. <laughs> so pretty it's simple. The, it's one of those two things. If you want to talk, uh, talk the finance side. <laughs> that's right. That's it. Then get more, much more complex than that. That was, that was accounting and finance summarized in one sentence. That was it. <laughs> there you, <laughs> so, go. Okay. you don't need an MBA in that. I mean, <laughs> no, you don't. That's exactly. That's exactly the point. And that's where we, where, where we start in the book is to say, don't be afraid about this and financial performance is is not this esoteric thing it's 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 pretty fundamental and that's like you said it's the growth it's how's the money come in the door it's the profitability what's the cost structure that supports the money coming in the door or doesn't support um, hopefully not and then capital utilization what are you doing with what's left to continue to fuel growth for the business that's it now different industries call them different things right, right. Not for an instance go to a banker and talk about fixed asset utilization they'd look at you and think this wackadoo does not know my business. Same way with a, you know, a manufacturer, you wouldn't go in and talk about efficiency ratio. That's not how they're measured. So that's where we start so basically and, and build on these frameworks. You can round those out and peel back that onion and, and wind up with a, a, a true value-based business outcomes, quantifiable alignment to the customer's goals. And, and also, you know, as soon as you say the word finance, Hey, you want to learn some finance or shove bamboo shoots up your fingernails? They grab the bamboo shoots every time. I, I've been I've been doing this thirty plus years, and I can tell you. Oh, get, please, please. So, uh, part of what we talk about in the book, and it's not a finance book. There's only one chapter. There's a financial, uh, you know, theme to it, but it's 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 not a you know finance one hundred and one type thing. So one of the things that we talk about, and me having been very fortunate to work with a whole bunch of companies in a lot of different industries. Within each industry, there's two, three, four at the most. I'm going to stop at three. Uh, measures of financial performance. Everyone's focused on revenue growth, right? If I'm a retailer, though, I'm going to look at gross profit margin and things like, you know, how, how much do I have in inventories? If I'm, you know, manufacturer, it's going to be, well, how well am I utilizing my assets? But the point, the point being is you can identify those two, maybe three key areas. Then you start talking about how, how, how does our solution help improve? Don't give me any numbers yet. You know, how do our solutions improve that? And, you know, then we can talk about, okay, well, how much might be the benefits? But if you don't have a, a, a strong house story, you're going to get laughed out of there. And I, I, learned, I learned this from Tom Showy. He was a CFO at Walmart. I was very fortunate to work with them. And he told me, he said, Steve, you're a numbers guy. You always want to talk about numbers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Tom, I love numbers. And he goes, stop it. Stop it. He goes, Tell me the how, you know, how this is going to help improve the supply chain. And then we'll talk about what, what, you know, how much is the benefit. So the point being is you don't have to have an MBA in finance. There's a couple of metrics. 
you work together to get down your how story, how we've helped others, how might I be able to help you? And then you can get into the numbers. You, you guys talk about executive insights a lot. What Could you explain what executive insights are and could you give us some examples of those? Yeah, so the it's, it's how they think. And, and when we said executive insights, like I said, we, we interviewed 12 executives uh, from like Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Honey Baked Ham was one, but they didn't give us any coupons. I really wanted to get some of their sandwiches for free. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so AT&T. And so we just asked them questions like, what is your expectation of a seller? You know, when, when you guys are making decisions, how does that work? How does that, you know, roll down into the rest of the organization? So it's really, you know, how do you feel that executive's pain, right? Because they're always trying to get focused on something like, like a CMO. The average tenure of a CMO is three years, three years. I think they're under a lot of pressure. So if you can identify with that and help them maybe stay an extra year, they're your best friend. So it, it's really just to identify what, how do they think, which is about goals, strategies, performance, and then breaking that down to smaller pieces. Well, how can you make their lives, how can you make their lives easier? Yeah, and it, it's worth noting you know, the executive insights. These people, I mean, sure, they have to sell internally and do the championing and things like that, but they've, these people have not carried a bag, right? They've, they've not been sellers, and, and, but they still know what goods, good looks like, and, and it, matters to, it matters to all of us what they think good, good looks like, because cumulatively, cumulatively across these different executives, um, they've, they've purchased tens of billions of dollars of stuff. Whatever that stuff is, it doesn't matter. So they've seen it. And, and, and you can have sellers talk about why it's so important and what you can do in tips and tricks. And I'm, I'm not discounting those. Those are really important. Yeah. I've learned some of the best things in, in my sales career from sellers. But just to hear it sort of from the horse's mouth, so to speak, is just invaluable. Yeah, and just to, to net that out, but executive insights, this, this is to net out the book, these were our three key findings. Tell me something I don't know, mm -hmm. right? I'm an executive. I got all these people working for me. I have all these consultants. But you know what? I want to hear from you. I want to hear, I, I want you to tell me something I don't know. And when I first heard that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, this is Dawn Garibaldi. She was the former VP of supply chain for Procter & Gamble, Asia Pacific. Billions and billions of dollars she helped manage. She goes, no, no. She goes, I got the staff. I got the consultant. But you know what? They, I get heads down too. Sellers see all these different companies. Don't give me anything confidential, but there's got to be something you've seen out there that can help me. So that was one. Tell me something I don't know. Second thing was, tell me how what you're proposing is aligned with my expected business outcomes and the financial benefits right? Help me do the alignment. And the third thing was make my life easier. Don't give me this 20 page proposal because guess what? I want to have a one pager that I can socialize with my colleagues that really like this, but they're not going to read 20 pages in either of mine. So those were the three key things. And he said, if you, if you can do those three things, you're thinking like an executive. And you mentioned uh, in improving your communication with executives and your, and your prospects with understanding their language better. How, how can a rep that's selling into a new industry or even the industry that they're selling into right now, how can they better understand the language of their buyers and, and, and understand it well enough that they can speak it fluently and show that they really understand the, the market and that industry? Melody, I'm going to take that yeah, one. So, um, there are 
there are several ways to do that. And, and uh, we'll talk about the public domain ones first. There are, and I think the consulting firms, think McKinsey, think Bain, think BCG, et cetera, they come out with some of the most fantastic industry points of view that, that uh, and they're free. I mean, you can read them and you can see where they've been, where they're going, what are some of the challenges. And just by understanding the headwinds, tailwinds, you're, they're incorporating that language on a per industry basis. And you get to begin to understand how different these are. I come back to the investor presentations. Um, they are they are using not only their industry language, but their own personal language. Uh, so so you can start to do that. And then, of course, there are ways that we at Finlistics help, you know, identify the KPIs. How do those align to industries? How are they how are they compensated, et cetera? But those are just some more easy, easy ways to go and find these things. Yeah, and, and even if you just read, uh, you know, take a couple of the publicly traded ones. So you got the trade publications, you've got, go on, it's, I, I, I go to YouTube a lot, you know, I'll put in there, what, what is the CMO talking about? Or we were beginning, we're going to do this uh, uh, review for uh, uh, electronic arts. And, uh, you know, I kind of like the game. And they were talking about net units sold. I didn't know what that was. And I had to go look it up and tell me what it was. Or let's say you're kind of new to the hotel industry and they're talking about RevPAR. You're like, RevPAR? Oh, it's revenue per available room. So you can very quickly understand what they're talking about. And, and think about it. They're communicating with investors and they don't want to make it overly complex because you know, I've known folks that you know, run investor you know, relationships and they're like, no, 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 no. If we make it too complex, they get confused. They get confused our price doesn't go up. So, you know, just go out there and read a couple of the annual reports. You know, what, what is the, what is the letter to shareholders talking about as an example, go to what we call the management discussion analysis. How are they explaining? So for example, I was just looking at Colgate Palmolive. They said, you know, we, we had unit growth of this, we increased prices by this, and then we had this bad thing happen for foreign exchange. Well, that's how they talk about revenues. You should too. And once you better understand your customer's industry and the language that they speak, how do you, how do you, as a field salesperson, take that and make that information and that knowledge actionable? Where, where do you incorporate it into your sales process and, and, and how do you use it? Well, you, you go ahead, Melly. No, please. No, what you do is now I know that they talk about uh, volume growth. I know they talk about price increases and I know they talk about foreign exchange. Let's rate foreign exchange. That's a bad one. What you now, what you do is sit down. This is what they're talking about or going back to Procter and Gamble uh, and the chairman's most recent letter. He talks about gross profit margin. He talks about cash flow, talks about a couple other things. Okay. What is it? Hey, now let's get in this room and brainstorm. How do our solutions help them sell more? How do our solutions, let's say I'm, I'm like a Rockwell Automation, right? I sell manufacturing. All right, they want to improve their profit margins. How can we help them better manage uh, labor costs? So once you know what they're talking about, you know, there's no secret formula around this, but there's a lot of smart people out there. That's why I got so frustrated with those crummy numbers, you know, 70% don't understand our business. is isn't because they're not smart. So, you know, have a brainstorming session, at least that's what I recommend, and say, now we know what they're after, 
hey, Melody, you know, we're, we're selling automation. How would that help some of these metrics? And what you find is a lot of companies have the answer there or someone in marketing's put it out there or product, you know, has put it out there, whatever. But now it's just like a unified view. Here's how we at this company improve profit margins and be somewhat specific. Right. And, and, and part of peeling, how do you apply it is part of peeling back that onion, right? If, if they're saying that they need to keep an eye on, uh, on costs. Okay. Well, we can look and see SGNA selling general administrative um, has been trending upward and upward for SGNA is a bad thing, right? How do you reduce that? And so if you peel that back and say, okay, this company has a problem with SGNA. Um, what makes up SGNA? Oh, well, technology is nearly always accounted for under SGNA. Okay, are you a technology company? Why, yes, I am. Okay, well, can you help with underneath the IT spend? There's the CapEx portion, there's the OpEx portion, there's the FTE portion, there's the, you know, there's the software maintenance portion, there's the hardware purchase, there's the software purchase. So, so even if you are directing yourself to, towards more of a cost takeout, Think how much more how much more that resonates, especially now CIOs are more business oriented than, that, than ever. The whole propeller head, keep the lights on thing is gone. They are now business led executives, right. right? They're often reporting. They're often reporting exec to executive comp as well, because that role has changed so much because technology has changed so much. So think about how much more compelling it would be to say, oh, I can sell this stupid. 5% cheaper than the next guy because mine does this this faster than yours or da 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 da. But if you can say Snoozer. this overall impact to SGNA is worth, you know, a half a percent or one percent, not only are you are you talking about it in a in a different language, but you're using the language that these people are paid on. And you're doing it around the how. I can I can take a look at your FTE costs and we can change it by this much, which equals that. I mean, doesn't that just sound like a better conversation? Well, it sounds like it because it is. It's a better yes. conversation than I'm cheaper than the next guy or girl. Absolutely. The The next section is sales in 60 seconds. So quick questions and quick answers. First question. Wait, wait, hold on. Are we both answering or are we like round robining? It's your call, your day, your way. However you guys want to do it. Um, you, know. you take the first one, Melody. I don't think so. <laughs> I need to. I need to things to start firing. Okay, 60 seconds. Let's, all right. Let's go. <laughs> all right. So uh, first question, what does it mean to communicate with impact? It means to have a very crisp point of view, communicate it clearly and succinctly, no long wind up, keep it simple, understand the detail behind it, but no long wind up. They want to hear the how and the how much in an elevator pitch, basically. And I'll use the last 10 seconds and you got to tailor the message. Just don't give everyone the same message. Or just, it's not relevant. All right. Got that one. Perfect. And what is your number one tip to help buyers gain more confidence? Buyers or sellers? Buyers. Like how can they, how, what's your tip to, as a seller, help your, your buyer oh. be more confident in, in making a purchase? Uh, tell me you've done it before. Steve Clancy, CIO at Georgia Pacific, uh, was all about bring me something fresh, right? He, we interviewed him in the book, bring me something fresh and tell me where you've done it before. So, so the best way is one, you understand my business. The other part is tell me where you've done this somewhere else. I, I, I respect the confidentiality, but that's going to make me feel a lot better than, hey, we can do this. Hey, have you ever done it before? Hey, no. 
So, yep, got to have, got to have the, the case studies. All right. Good. So powerful. Yeah. Case studies are so, so powerful. Being able to set people up with other people who are like them and so that they can have a, a, a private conversation about how it helped their business. That's, you know, as long as they're not competitors, people are often willing to share. They are. What is one habit that uh, sales reps need to stop doing that you came across in your interactions with these executives? Uh, stop showing up and throwing up and just, you know, let me, let me, let me talk through a 30 slide deck. They'll fall asleep. They don't want to hear that. Um, a lot of times these executives don't even want to do the whiteboarding. I know there's this notion of let's get up and whiteboard this whole solution. And that's not what they want either. That's like a level or two beneath them. It's how do you, how do you get there? How are you quick? So, so stop trying the other methods, tailor the message to the executive and keep it short and simple. And, and make it all about the company that's outside and don't show up. We're in 130 company countries and block, you know, here's our wonderful technology and you can do 10,000 forecast in one minute, but guess what? I only need one. So make it so customer centric. In fact, a great story, good, good friend of mine, wonderful salesperson, uh, talked to this executive, spent like an hour talking and at the end he goes, well, aren't you going to sell me something? She goes, I will eventually, but I wanted to get to know you. So make it so customer centric. It's not about you at all, at least in those first couple of meetings. Well, usually an executive won't even take a meeting unless they know that either your product or your service does, it, it, that it's going to fix a problem or make a, make something better that they're already kind of concerned with, right? right. And so you, you kind of want to, understand why they took the meeting and, and why they were interested yes. what, what was the area that was that that caught their eye and then show them you know with you know show them how, how you do what you claim to do and give them examples of it working the way they'd want it to work yeah and then if you can you know let's say you've got some experience where you've been able to uh increase labor productivity or wins over labor productivity now and here's here's how we did it and you know the average benefit i want to be conservative is three percent you know for a company your size don't make a promise you know based upon what i can guess guesstimate is that would be worth this many millions of dollars so bring in the financial component don't make a promise don't come up with these crazy numbers i've seen but you, you know we just blew the 60 second game i think we're like not <laughs> the rules anymore we're terrible i don't like terrible. rules i like to i, I like to drive all, all over the road so why is it important to implement this approach that you guys have la laid out uh, as a team rather than just implementing it as individuals? Because or sales organizations um, who adopt this thinking and, and approach the go-to-market strategy they truly do transform. We've seen it time and time again. So you can have the lone soldier out there trying to do this heavy lifting, but when organizationally you have the sales leaders talking this talk and walking this walk, and you have the marketing organization talking this talk and walking this walk, it, it changes the whole go-to-market. It changes the whole way that, that, that companies show up. It changes the executives' perceptions of these companies and it transforms them and makes them more effective at, at those levels. That's what we mm. that's what we mean when we say a, a team effort. Yeah, we're a data-driven company. We've we've got the results. It's saying that, you know, 75% of sellers that went through the process 
you know, added this much more to deal size, but they can't do it by themselves. What is the most important thing that you learned while you were researching this book and putting it all together? Um, that I can't stand editing. No. <laughs> <laughs> For salespeople. Uh, no, uh, no in, all, in all seriousness, it was just, just the total validation. Um, and Stephen, I'm sure will echo this, but it is just the total validation of regardless of whether they were the CIO at a manufacturing company or the CMO at a B2C food company. It, what was just striking is that, because I spent most of my career in financial services selling to banks, right? So I get, I get that. Um, but what was just so validating or insightful to me is that they all said the same thing. They all said the same thing, just in different ways. So it's just like, it's right here, people. You know what I mean? Right here for the taking. So take their advice. Tell me something I don't know. Show me the benefit of your solutions and make my life easier. And as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople who are listening today do as a first step towards selling with insight? Well, um, I would take the, the first step, and, and this is the, the, not, the not biased, the unbiased step, but just if you want to get started tomorrow, look at these different uh, things in the public domain that are available to everybody, which is the investor presentations, the letter to the shareholders, the seeking alpha transcript. Those are that's just low hanging fruit. And then, as far as the book, the book rounds that out, provides things that you, that sellers wouldn't find in other places, uh, but steps you through these frameworks that that tells you A, B, C, D. Here's how you get through all those things that we've been talking about the past twenty or so minutes. How to to peel back that onion to get to get to it. So I would say the book does that. Um, so that's of course on Amazon, uh, and there's an ebook with a corresponding website, InsightLedSelling.com, with which from which you can download all these all these things. So it's not just like you're trying to scribble on your on your iPad or whatever. I mean, you can download them and touch them and use them again. And um, of course, you can buy the book too, and so all the, all the books. Well, you know what they just are. Making a blatant sales pitch, but for the month of November, uh, we're gonna have the ebook oh, yeah. at a special. Special price of one ninety nine. So, and again, there's a lot of uh, guides there. It's not like just here's just theoretical stuff. I hate that. So here's a template. Go fill this in. Uh, but to your, to your, the, the, it all starts with what are their goals. My point would be within this industry, what are the most common goals? How can we help? Awesome. Well, I'm going to try to summarize what you've told us today, so we can uh, have some takeaways here. So, first off. The buyers do not believe that salespeople really understand the buyer's company, the buyer's business, the buyer's industry. That was one of the key takeaways of this book. Um, so sellers, therefore, need to work better, to, uh, work to understand the, 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 uh, the buyer's goals and better understand who at the buyer organization is in charge of achieving these goals. Um, they need a better understanding to speak the language of the buyer's industry. Insight-led buying is all about aligning salespeople with how the buyers buy. So you want to focus your selling approach on the ROI and also on improving the, the buyer's KPIs. So you got to understand what those are, what, what generates ROI for the, for the, 
for the buyer. What, what are their KPIs? Do the company's KPIs, this individual who's making the decision, what are their KPIs? What do they get paid on? Um, what are their, if they're an executive, what are they bonused on? Are they, are they bonus? Do they get their bonus from increasing revenue, reducing costs? Is it about the shareholder? Is it about the share price? What, what's it about? Um, increasing headcount, decreasing headcount. <laughs> you want to you want to work to understand the different stakeholders involved and all of their goals and what they care about. And if you can unlock that, then you can map what your product does to those different goals and, and those different initiatives. When you're speaking with executives, try thinking of these three things from from the prospect or the executive's perspective. So first, the 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 executive wants to learn something that they don't know. Second, they want you to tell them how your proposal aligns with their goals. And third, executives that you're selling to, they, they want you to, to teach them or tell them or show them something that's going to make their job or their life easier. Yep. You can try to customize your approach to each decision maker by addressing those specific metrics that they care about. But of course, you know, first you have to understand those metrics and what they, what they are. Um, might this, and, you know, it could be as simple as understanding, are they trying to increase rever- revenue or, or save costs? But most things effectively boil down to one of those two things. This has been a really valuable conversation. Where, where can our listeners, I, I, I know you guys gave a few examples a few, a few minutes ago. Where, what, what's the best place that our listeners could learn more about your work and reach out to you? How do they get in touch? Well, real quick, you did a great playback. So I like I that. You're What's a good that? note taker or a good listener or what, but thank you. <laughs> thank um, you. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I it's half my job here. I ask the questions and I summarize the answers. That's really all I'm doing. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, so you can find us at uh, finlistics.com. Uh, that'll be in the show notes, but also you can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn. We have a ton of good um, dynamic content, whether that be a, a, an infographic or a video or what, I mean, there's, there's a, a ton of content on our, on our LinkedIn page and we're constantly updating that. And then, like I said, our website, or you can just find us at info at finlistics.com. Yeah. And these are, these are practical. I mean, for example, just last week, we did a 30 minute session with an executive from a private company. How do you sell to a private company? Uh, I'm doing one next week with, uh, how do you sell using executive compensation 30 minutes with someone that sets exec comp plans and that so really a lot of real practical stuff that you can start applying immediately so both on linkedin go to our website you know finlistics.com go to the resource section um or like melly said just reach out to us info at finlistics.com well this has been a fantastic episode of the outside sales talk if you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps. Number one route planner helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. You can get a free trial of Badger Maps at badgermapping.com today. If anyone can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning these skills that we've chatted about today, um, definitely send this episode along to them. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, you guys. This has been really awesome. Steven and Melody, um, thanks for coming. Our pleasure. Having us. It was great. Thanks. Take care, everybody.